0: you're listening to the a scully cast brought to you by www.ascully.com and here are your hosts a scully and sid Talk. my stomach is growling it has been all day really loudly i'm not hungry and What's that all about? I
1: don't know. Your body knows more than you do.
0: I mean, like, really loud. like, you, like. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. I can hear it.
0: Yeah. What the hell? What's wrong with that? I don't
1: know. i looked it I'm up. On the,
0: I looked it up on the Wikipedia, and they said you're going to die if that happens.
1: Well, well of course. I mean, <laughs> that, Wikipedia wouldn't tell you that.
0: If you have an edit can you look that up? But
1: you, the you whole see? internet
0: will tell you that. Yeah. So, um, what is the before-the-after-the-show discussion? Welcome... Everybody, by the way, uh, that was just my medical uh, issues. Um, Welcome to...
1: Before the after the show discussion is another instance of husbands not listening to wives. But hey, I'm sure every wife out there knows what
0: we're talking about. Welcome... Don't even
1: need to go into it.
0: To after the show. We are a movie review podcast. And uh, we review a movie every week. This week's movie we are looking at is The Girl on the Train, a 2016 movie. Released on Blu-ray this week, January the 17th. It's rated R. You can pick it up now. From our friends at Universal. And Siddharth will give you the synopsis of the movie. Girl on the Train. The Girl on the Train.
1: First of all, it's not a girl. So whoever wrote the book and the movie, it's, it's very loose with that word. But I understand the context once you see the story. So it's a woman who, from a train, sees some things... And it's all reflective or part of sort of her downfall in life. And being on the train and seeing things from the train is uh, like a distraction. And then some things go down, and it's about her finding her way out of being sort of broken and falling apart.
0: So, so, yeah, it's uh, based on the best-selling book of the same name, which was the actually the best-selling book of last year over all books. It even beat the Fifty Shades of Grey books. So, um, people know about this. We haven't read the books. I didn't read it. The book. You didn't read the book. So, we just went in this film. I knew it was a book, but um, we didn't know that stuff. So, I have to start off by saying I disliked this film. Um,
1: Disliked? I'm surprised.
0: Yeah, I disliked this film. Um, Almost from the beginning... It's one of those intangible things. It's to do with the, uh, there's many things that, there's many things I disliked and a couple of things I liked, so that's an overall dislike for me.
1: <laughs> What's the ratio have to be
0: for this? It's like a a seventy five dislike and a twenty five like, so that makes it a, a dislike to me. Wow, yeah, you know. So I will I will go on what I disliked about this movie
1: yeah start with the bad then we'll work up to the good.
0: I dislike the filmmaking from from the beginning it felt really pretentious and up its own ass the way it's presented to you. Um, secondly, a lot of the dialogue sounds awkward and exposition-y.
1: it's just it's like you're reading from the it's like a a literary yeah voice. Of each person, instead of conversing like a living person.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I understand artistically how that is, but for me, it doesn't work in the movie because.
1: Give me an like, example.
0: Um, it's not when she's voiceovering, like speaking her own thoughts. It's uh, one in, one scene in particular was Justin Thoreau talking to um, Haley Bennett, no Rebecca Ferguson, when they're talking together as a husband and wife. It just felt very like, it didn't feel like anybody human talking to anybody else to me. Um, And the way the characters act in this, I know everything's supposed to be very emotionally detached, which I'm assuming everybody's supposed to be emotionally detached in this movie. So they do come across that way. But I said to you, there is nobody I care about me personally I don't even care about Emily Blunt's character like almost all the time I didn't care about them Um, there's a twist in the movie spoilers if you've not watched this movie yet don't there is listen. a big twist in this movie where it now I saw that twist coming and like I've said to you I don't see those twists coming but I saw that twist coming almost from the beginning I don't know if you did not really they throw in a character to try and put you off the scent of the twist. And I could see people going for that. They throw in a character. Don't yeah,
1: I didn't think it was him either.
0: No. So, But you can see why that character, as, as a book or a, or a screenplay, that character exists solely as a red herring to what's happening. But it doesn't work for me. It, it, all the time I was like, "Nah, don't buy it. What's in my head is what really is happening. I think that's happening. And that is eventually what happened. So that lost me. Because this movie does exist around this twist. This twist is the great moment of the movie for me. If you were watching it, I would think.
1: See, I disagree that that's a moment. I think it's all... It's a very slow unraveling of... A series of things that leads to the thing. But it's not just like boom and the instant you go. Oh, so I don't. I don't think of it as a moment. But that moment. So that, when but it they wasn't do that moment when I, when I was like, oh, it wasn't like that. It was way before that. It wasn't instantly from the beginning of the movie, like you're saying for you. But I mean, as tiny little things start to slowly, un- and then I was like, oh, right, yeah, yeah. There was a scene
0: near the beginning of the movie where a man is having sex with a woman up against a tree. And you don't see his head. He's got his head turned. But, from the body and the head, as soon as I saw the person who it is, they sure the person who it is, just a little bit later, I was like, oh, it's that person. Because already my mind had pictured that guy. So as soon as I saw him, I went, okay, yeah, that's the guy who did it. Who's up to something. And it ter- turned out that way. So... I worked it out from that scene, so I don't know if it was just me being. It super- wasn't
1: the beginning of the movie, but it was to be fair, it was about halfway a, through.
0: Yeah, but that m- moment is when it all clicked for me, and uh, I thought I don't know if it was just me, like really clued in on it, but um, it almost ruined the rest of it because I could kind of see what was coming, and what came is exactly what came. The other thing is um, a lot of the. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, I don't like a lot of the dialogue between people. The performances are quite good.
1: Yeah, very good. If I right. had
0: to go for the good part of it. Because I do like everybody in it. And I can't think of anybody who was actually not, not good in it. You know where somebody sticks out? Everybody did a good job with what it was. But in general, I was kind of let down by it. It wasn't exciting. And it wasn't thought-provoking, really, to me. And it was kind of a by-the-numbers thriller that's been advertised as like, oh, this great thing, like this book that rules the world and all that stuff.
1: Book doesn't rule the
0: world. Um, you know what I'm saying. Like this book to end all books, the thriller to end all thrill. this is how I've heard about it talked about.
1: I, I'm gonna guess not one person in the whole world has said it's the thriller to end
0: all probably thrillers. says that on the book cover but one yeah of them, but come on but that's, that's how that it's been built like so many people like the book and, and, and I've heard people say you know well that that'll make a really good film but as a film when I think about it now it's very ordinary like it's it's got a twist of course but as a thriller it doesn't thrill me you know what I'm saying So, so you have a different opinion on this movie, correct? Let me think if there was anything else bad that I (laughs) thought while I was watching it. Um, I didn't like the music either. There's a score in this. uh, The score is often inappropriate for the scenes that are happening. There was a couple of instances where I was like, "This is." If I was choosing music for this movie, and it's not pop music or anything like that, it's all score. There's score in scenes that doesn't match. Like, it. it's too um, aggressive. Like, the scene is a pretty blasé, people-just-talking kind of scene, and the music is, like, trying to make it seem exciting.
1: I'm trying to think of any moment in this movie that was blasé, but... Because no, I I, you know
0: what I'm saying. It's not an action scene. It's not a um, thrilling scene. It's just a scene of people talking, which might have... In another different film, might have some melancholy music playing in the background, but they, it literally sounds like Jason Bourne is about to enter the room when they're talking.
1: Well, I can't think of any scenes that weren't leading you to a bigger thing.
0: Yeah, but when the bigger thing occurs, that piece of music's not going. No, well. I mean
1: the intensity of what they're saying, or the underlying, the subtext of everything, is what is driving that, not the surface of what you're hearing or seeing people say to each other i
0: like to listen to scores of um movies and uh this one in particular it just felt out of place a lot because but in fact there was parts where i thought that piece of music that I was playing before that was getting on my nerves because it seemed too hyper for that scene would work better in this scene and now in this scene they've got no music because it wasn't always music either so that's my criticism of the music <laughs> as well I don't know I I don't know how close you listen to scores. I like to see how they fit, because you know, it really I think music is like twenty-five percent of a movie. If it's used correctly. The music can,
1: guy would say eighty-five percent of the movie.
0: The score person would say ninety percent of the movie. Right, but I'm the saying the sound as editor a watcher. would say seventy-five percent of the movie. As a watcher, if if the score is done correctly, it evokes things in you and doesn't make you go. Why is that music playing? That's weird. The reason you're thinking why is that music playing is cuz you've already decided you don't like it. No. Yeah,
1: cuz once you're already off the rail on a movie, there is no there's very little coming back from that. And so your mind is distracted from it by everything except what you should be focusing on cuz you've already not liked the tone. You've already not liked the way they're doing it. You already don't care about anybody. You've already
0: No, SM- no, no. Because I I'm not like like five minutes into the movie off like completely. I'm hoping yeah, but, it gets better. Like, yeah, but
1: me. you've already you've already not liking it, and so every single thing. And I, is, I do give is, every movie a, a good chance.
0: I'm not. I don't just blow it off after five minutes and,
1: and as not. you blow it off after five minutes. I'm saying once you've already decided, ugh, this is pretentious, which is what you said immediately. You found it pretentious. The first thing that I immediately, found, immediately yeah. you found everybody uninteresting and not you didn't not care realistic. about them. realistic. Right. So all of the, that means you're already writing it off to a degree and thinking about everything other than the story. Because the story isn't compelling you. Like once you've already written off the characters, to some degree, even if it's a little bit, and the tone of the movie, which you're not liking, and you're feeling that weird intangible thing, ugh, ugh I gotta get over this, then every little crack <laughs> that starts in your mind is gonna... So, To me, my whole opinion of the movie is almost the opposite. Because I really enjoyed it. I completely sympathize, not empathize with, but sympathize with the understanding of the different women. On some level. Not as a personal experience. I don't have empathy. But I get her being broken and thought she was really, really good at every little finessed thing. Because she's... I guess if you've known somebody who, as she's an alcoholic, and if you've actually known a real person, who's, that's their life, or drugs, up close and personal, really up close and personal, there are things that you get, like, she's lost and broken, she's guilty as hell in her mind, I mean, it's all very, it's right there on her face all the time. I get all that. And I'm interested in her. Because you're led to believe in the beginning she's just a woman on a train and she's going to work, and it slowly comes apart. You see that she's drinking, you're like, "Oh, she's a drinker, and then oh, she's lost her family, and oh, she's a little bit desperate, and oh, she's a little bit needy, and oh, she's a little bit crazy, but not all womb at once and it, it comes on her face and it comes in the scenes i mean i I really enjoyed watching her character and And wanting to know how it was going to turn out. Obviously, we didn't read the the book either. So I have no clue. No clue at all what any of it's going to be. And when we start meeting other people, yes, the dialogue says to me, this came out of a book. This is like reading off of a page of a book. You know, it's very... There's a lot of that. Because it's it's a singular person sitting in a room writing the story of all these different characters. And on some level, some writers... You know, you, you crank it up to the literary level instead of like the human level. You know, just like, uh, you can read a book then and you walk away going, wow, that's like real dial Like that's how people really talk to each other. And other ones elevate it just a bit. And that's what this is to me. It's like, uh, it is very utilitarian a lot. I'm saying these things to this character. These two people are talking to each other in order for me to then move ahead to the next thing expository or expository stuff. Yeah, to get me to go, oh
0: or uh, oh, you know, something. But that's what all dialogue should be. But it's not just a waste of time. But <laughs> like how it felt to me was the dialogue in this movie is the minimum dialogue possible to to make you understand what's going on and no fleshing out of a character. Just the character says what needs to be said, and that's all they say. They never say anything else. They they don't. You don't see these characters as people for me. Like
1: some of them, but I mean, she's fully a person to me because we get tiny glimpses of what she would have been before. She's the most rounded. Woman. Yeah, I mean, we see. But her the still most. not rounded because I, I, they, I feel
0: like she's just a load of set, load of little clips of stuff.
1: And I disagree, because from what I see, I can then piece together a person, which is all you can do in any movie. You only get an hour and a half to two hours. You're never going to get someone's entire life, every minute of their life as a character. So you have to piece together. Her, I've filled in completely. I get it completely. And then showing me the the young woman, I completely got her as well. Like, really, she was filled in very quickly. She has to be mysterious. She There's like the three women is the thing of the movie. There's the woman who we're following who's the alcoholic, the woman who is now her ex-husband's wife, and then a nanny from next door, and again, spoilers, who is also involved uh, with the ex-husband. Okay? So when we meet the nanny, she's seems exotic and together, and then it falls apart because she's really got some, you know, broken heart inside a really and I Fully, I felt like she was a whole person. No problem with that. Now this psychiatrist, that girl's husband, the the guy from Lord of the Rings or from The Hobbit, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, his he name. was just he's just nothing. I mean, admittedly, that's one character I kept trying to think. Is I mean, I get it. We're supposed to think he's jealous and it's violent. He's another red herring
0: character, so you get thrown How off. Holy red s-
1: her- I thought he was your red herring. No, I'm
0: talking about another one. Psychiatrist? The psychiatrist. Oh
1: no, I thought... The, the psychiatrist
0: husband. only exists for that.
1: Oh, I disagree. The psychiatrist has nothing to do with guilt at all. He's opposite. No, I mean
0: as to do with an affair.
1: Yeah, but nothing to do with the murder. To no, me. It,
0: well, he's a red herring to
1: it. Oh, not to me. Never suspected him for a second. It was just between the husband...
0: To me, it was... That was the red herring thrown in there to make you think somebody else didn't do it. Which, uh, we, uh, you know, without... Yeah, but not spell. him...
1: Red herring is where you're supposed to point everything at, so he's nothing to me except for. No, it's to throw you off with the her. scent,
0: is what I mean. Of the what is actually the real issue. Mm. That's how I saw it, and that's how I saw that, that characters. It's it's off that him and the Luke um, Evans character who plays Scott. Those two characters, they're just movie characters who just only exist when they're on the screen. Like, it's almost like they
1: yeah they don't exist
0: after that. They just shovel them off into a cupboard like they don't do anything else. Uh, that's how I see those. They're just like these. They're there for, uh, in this story, they're there to throw you off a scent or to add a little extra dimension to the story. Well, they're filling in that
1: girl's life, that young woman's life. And again, there's me saying girl, but she's the youngest of them all. Yeah, I wonder why they chose girl and not woman. Well, because she says in the beginning and the end, "I'm not the girl I used to be." Yeah. So I think that's losing of innocence when you've delved into the adult world, and then you realize and look back, and you're like, "Wow, I, I remember a time when I didn't know about any of this pain or any of this suffering or any of this anything about sex or relationships or anything." No, no, and no. I'm never gonna be <laughs> like that again. Yeah. You know, I'm never. So I think that's where that comes from. But um I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I liked the music because it was invisible to me. So that didn't bother me. And the dialogue occasionally. And the only one that I had any issue with. Because I think he was trying so hard not to be what he was supposed to not be. Was the guy from The Leftovers. And occasionally he's trying so hard not to give you a clue. While still being. It's a tricky thing. Yeah. But he doesn't. Do it hundred. Most scenes are fine. There are a couple where you're like, because once you figure out, then you're like, okay, you're it's too much, and this wasn't there before. It's you know, so that's the only complaint I'd have about performance. It wasn't bad at all. I was actually intrigued by him to some sick degree because I thought, who's this guy? What's so great about him that he has conned these women? Just it's ridiculous. So
0: it was just Magnus.
1: I had a good time with the movie, and I like. That it is melancholy and that it's not exciting. Like you said, it's not exciting or anything. I like that. I like that it's a ride on a train, even though you're not on the train the whole time. I and really, we 'cause we're we're really watching. We are the voyeurs, just like she is watching out the train window at people's houses, but I mean we're just watching and I'm I'm along for that ride
0: and I was fine with it. I liked I I thought it was good. Here's some other two dimensional characters in this movie. And I think you <laughs> might agree. And I love Laura Prepon. She's from uh, Orange Is the New Black. She's like she lives with her. She lives with Emily Blunt. She's awful in this. She's not
1: awful at all. She's fine.
0: She's a two-dimensional character. Yeah, but she's not awful at all. No, I'm saying the character that that they've that they've created of her. The other one is the policewoman. The policewoman's a good actress and everything, but that police it's that actual police case. I just
1: I don't I disagree with you. That actual police case that
0: is going on is um. She's on the screen about two minutes. Ago. I disagree
1: with you completely. I think her, the roommate is perfect for what she needs to be. We don't need to know her backstory or anything about her. She's no, just, I don't. All we anything. need to know is she's let her live there. She's nice enough. She's a little bit sympathetic. She is possibly willing to let this person kind of leech off of her. She's her friend. And she's sort of getting to the end of her. I mean, I got everything I needed from feels kind of
0: choppy, then. That, that's what it is. And the police
1: it's, woman, I really it feels like.
0: Super choppy, like the. I disagree. The, the, I think they introduce the, a character. That's it. They talk,
1: but she's twice. not pivotal. She's just the roommate. That's I know, it. but
0: still, like,
1: I think you're just nitpicking because you didn't like it, which is fine. That's how we are when we don't like a movie. You start, like I said, those cracks start, like the features start showing up. But I really like the cop lady, and I thought it was a- totally appropriate. I don't like too heavy-handed on a cop who's not... R- the story isn't really about the mystery of the murder or the missing woman. It's about our Emily Blunt woman and the other, you know, the relation, the triangle kind of thing. So the cop lady is just enough for me. I don't want some overbearing, you know, hands-on hip, blah, 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 and to get their whole backstory. I don't give a shit. I just want... In that moment when she's intense with Emily Blunt, that's ter- perfect for me. And I don't know, I like now her partner guy. He's just nothing. He didn't need to be there. But I mean, that's just because you have to fill the scenes with what feels stereotype like something. Thing. Well, not a stereotype. I'm just saying you cops always she wouldn't, have, to have a
0: partner. She wouldn't
1: they? come without somebody else. So there has to be somebody there. So I'm fine with that. Um, I just see them completely different because I. I get who they are from the little bits that I get just cuz they they perform well.
0: The book takes place in Britain and they switch that in this movie to America. I don't I don't know why, really. Um money <laughs> probably. Yeah, or just I don't
1: know. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's not like it's announced big time that it's America at all. It just you feel like you are in sort of a you're near I mean, New York you
0: can tell from the cars and the I know, but
1: I'm saying it doesn't matter. So it's not like announced to you that it has to be America. It could actually be anywhere. It doesn't matter about the cars and the houses and the names of the towns. The vibe doesn't surround what it is. Now, they did say that she kept her British accent. And the director decided he liked that because it made her seem more isolated. Because she's like the only British person you're going to come across. So that she might be already a little more alone. Now, I do agree that a lot of times filmmakers and from a book and a person rewriting the book and all that, they've got it all filled in for them. So their minds might be full of details that by the time it gets to me, the person who's never read the it book... You might just not even... But I felt like it did a good job of giving me just enough so that I could fill it in. You know, converse to a lot of other movies that I've watched where I'm a little bit like, uh, I don't get why that's a big deal and I don't know why... Who cares about that guy? And you watch it, and you've read the books and thought on other movies, and you're like, yeah, but totally, I get it. <laughs> you know, so I didn't have any of that on this movie, so.
0: Right. So uh, moving on to the cast, Emily Blunt plays the uh, main person in the movie, Rachel. Um, see, I liked her in it. I've never really seen her play, like, a crazy person. <laughs> I mean, she's not a crazy person, but there are times in this movie where she is completely kind of out of her mind and uh, drunk and um I like the scene where she was in the uh, alcoholics anonymous meeting. Yeah. Um it really like I was thinking, she you know when you stand up in the alcohol, alcoholics anonymous meeting and you all say I'm an alcoholic and blah blah blah. Her thing, what she said
1: makes it. I really was looking at all else the, else the other people uncomfortable. and was like, <laughs> yeah, like they they were
0: all kind of like that's you're going a little bit too far, lady. Yeah. We don't we don't go that far in mm-hmm. here. We just I say mean, we she didn't say anything. No, but it just seemed very. Because like the whole thing about
1: troubled. her character is she has blackouts. She gets so drunk that she has blackouts, and so at this point, she's been told by her ex-husband, and just by probably having woken up and sort of looked around herself at different times throughout the years. That she's done terrible things, like terrible, like thrown a fit in public and made an embarrassment of herself, and broken things, and she doesn't remember any of it. And so her guilt, do- she doesn't come from a point of view of like, look, I don't remember that. That can't be me. She instead goes the other direction and thinks, I can never, I can never make amends for any of these terrible things I just I've feel done.
0: Right. Yeah. We just watched the fall actually, and the, uh, the criminal guy. <laughs> come out of a coma half after being a serial killer claiming well at this part of the story come out of a coma after being a serial killer not remembering the last 6 claiming
1: did not remember
0: and the problem he was having with that was the same a similar thing was i just don't know like i, d- I don't the difference i don't know is how to he, deal with myself he was actually a serial killer. i know but <laughs> but let's say he didn't remember it plus i think you're faking and then it comes. Debatable. You as a person, was you've you've been a serial killer, and then you don't remember any of that, and then you have to. People are telling you. You see this lady here? She was killed by you. She was killed by you. Look at this gross picture of what you did, and you're just looking at it, going, "It's not me." Yeah, I don't. But an alcoholic having I mean, blackouts is a little more conceivable. A little more. Believable. It is, but still the same thing. Like somebody tells. She you. says
1: it. I'm so far removed from it. Like, I can't be accountable for it. I can't apologize. I can't apologize enough and I can't really feel like I did it because I don't remember doing anything. So that's a huge part of her issue throughout the whole thing is that those missing chunks of time for her have been filled in for her by someone else and made her a terrible person. And now what's unraveling is maybe she's, besides being an alcoholic and being kind of sad and broken, um... That part may not necessarily be. Yeah, it, sure. also,
0: it also makes the mystery slash thriller part of this movie unreliable because yeah. she, you don't know. You do see some things that happen and then you think, oh, is is did she remember that right? She was drunk. I don't, we don't really know. Exactly. So, I do like that aspect of it. I, I like a good amnesia type thing. <laughs> I know it's heavily used in a lot of things, but I think it's good. Yeah, I liked Emily Blunt in this i have never really seen her act like this. Speaking she's,
1: of trains.
0: She's generally I, just...
1: I have The Sims 4 going in the background, just so you all know. And look what's passing by my house. Our house. You and I. I don't
0: see Emily Blunt, though.
1: That... Well, it's a coal train. Oh, she's so. sat
0: on top Cold. of a coal Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> There's a train going by in the background. Can't get on it. Can't touch it. Talk about a red herring.
0: So these are the uh, these are the people I really liked in this movie. Haley Bennett plays Megan. What did you think of her?
1: But Megan, yeah, she's really good.
0: Yeah, she's the- uh... Like,
1: really good, because she's the young nanny, um, sort of, what we've got going on here is the first wife, whatever happened in the marriage, he he couldn't fuck her enough, let's just be straight up. She wouldn't fuck him enough, and he got sick of it, and so he started cheating on her with the real estate agent when they bought their house. Then he left the wife for the real estate agent. And when that, when she had a kid with him, and then he she again wouldn't probably fuck him all the time, and he was just being a selfish prick, he decided to start screwing around with this young lady. Hires her as his nanny so she can come over and then can be naughty together. That's who this young lady is. And you find out more about her story. And I felt really compassionate toward her story, just listening to her talk to the therapist. It really, oh, and she, that she did a really good job of, making it so, like, you still think, uh yeah, but you're just making a lot of bad choices, young lady, and yet you feel like, oh. I mean, I get it. (laughs) You know, I get why. And I think she was, it was perfect. She was, like, innocent and all used up at the same time, which was really good. Yeah, she she was good. good.
0: I liked all three of the women. Rebecca Ferguson played Anna, and she's the wife. Um, She's good, too. She, uh... Has to be, she's kind of vacant a little bit, isn't she? Oh, definitely. And Very you know, shallow, very yeah, shallow. Yeah, she's not, that's what I mean, there's, there's a lot, I think a lot of these people are shallow in this movie, and that's one of the things. All three of the women are kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know how to say it, vapid?
1: Well, they're, it's not, they're not vapid, it's... <sighs> It's unfortunate, I don't know if it's a translation to the movie, but what I have is the movie, and that these three women are written as one woman cannot have children, and therefore she's all sad and distraught about it. One woman wanted the perfect life with the perfect child, and now she's obsessing over this child by getting all of spending the entire day as in one line we get it all. She spends the entire day. Grocery shopping, going to the farmer's market, pureeing all the baby's food so that the baby has the right foods to eat. Yeah. That tells me everything I need to know, that that woman now is obsessed with raising her child. And then we have a third young woman who, as is revealed, more spoilers, has had a bad incident with having a child. And now, because of that, went off the rails in a very promiscuous and very, like, self-damaging way. All, be- all surrounding this having, being a mother- That I find unfortunate because not every woman, speaking for myself for 100% for sure, doesn't fixate on the fact that you do or don't have children or that you haven't had a human come out of your body or that you don't have a legacy behind you. It's not a longing for all of us. It's not a thing. And but yet this is focused on that completely. That's what breaks each of them to some degree. The man just is unfortunate that that's the man that came in their life. It wouldn't matter which man. She's always going to be sad that she can't have children. That one's always going to be obsessed with being the perfect mommy. And that one's always going to be broken because her tragic, when she was a young girl, having a baby. So that I find a bit hard to wrestle with. But that's what defines these three women, is this woman having child thing. Yeah. And I think each of them does it just, just right. It's not about... Like a man cheating on you or anything? I mean, that's an element, but it's more about that part. I was going to
0: say, also what defines these three women is Justin Thoreau's character as Tom. But he could be Who is in all of their lives. Yeah, so. but
1: he could be anybody. He just happens to be the bad dude. He could be any Smart. man <laughs> of any kind. Um, They've each got their own separate issues coming into that relationship, and because of that relationship, but he could be anybody.
0: I really like Justin Thoreau. I do feel like he almost plays the same character in this as he does in The Leftovers, to be honest. I mean, kind of, aside yeah. from the bad Definitely. part. Yeah. Um,
1: Even the bad part. When he did bad things in yeah, Leftovers, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I do like him. I, he has something about him that's interesting. Um, and I think he does well here, too, because he is, as an actor in this movie, it all kind of hinges on what you know about him and what you don't know about him. And he has to kind of hold back a lot towards the beginning of the movie obviously you have to you have to think watching this movie spoilers that he is a you know s- sweet guy who turns up and gives her a kiss and buys her some flowers and he's a nice guy you have to really buy that part so he has to hold back a lot at the beginning and i'm with you i th- I feel like he that's hard it was kind of hard because
1: there's just a couple of moments when as you're watching it, and then you realize he's he's consciously doing a thing.
0: Consciously being a nice guy. Trying to be. But giving you a hint of, like, ugh, underneath, yeah. Uh, Luke Evans plays Scott. Like I said, I have nothing against Luke Evans, but it didn't really matter this. It didn't, I mean, he had to be in the story, I guess, but he didn't do anything for me in any way. There's The scenes that you see with him are just some scenes where Emily Blunt comes to talk to him. Um, because his wife has gone missing and she talks to him and they have a bit of a conversation and he gets a bit mad and that's it, really.
1: And that's what tells you their two-dimensional version of him.
0: Right. basically. So, yeah, I d- he didn't really do nothing for me. And finally, I put down Alison Janney as Detective Riley and I said what I thought about that. I mean, I like her. Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah, she's good.
0: There wasn't a ton for her to do. No, yet. but
1: she was good for what she did.
0: So this is directed by Tate Taylor. And the movie he is very famous for is The Help. We didn't see The Help. It was Oscar nominated, though, remember? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of this guy, Tate Taylor?
1: Mm. I like the style of it. You say it's pretentious and kind of boring, I mm. think is what you're saying. I disagree. I think it's kind of moody and brooding, but not in a testosterone drive kind of way. <laughs> it's more of a... I feel this woman's journey through the way it looks, through the close-ups on her face, the little bit of weirdness when she's trying to remember. It's not too much. Um, the flashbacks are just right because it, it, the old thing about the flashbacks is it feels a little bit like a movie of the week kind of flashback. Yeah, you're watching the, a movie with the
0: slow it, frame rate and all that kind of
1: thing. Oh no, no, I don't mean the style. I just mean just cutting back to a. To a memory, so that we know what happened when we're not really going through the memory of the person. Occasionally, are but not usually. We're it's just going back to show us what happened. Yeah. It's not someone telling you the story. It's nothing. So that was a little bit transparent. But then again, it's fine. It does what it needed to do. Uh, you get this when you're watching a flashback for the sake of a flashback. You know you're seeing what happened. If Emily Blunt's character was flashing back and trying to remember, you would have that question mark over your head oh, is that really what happened? Because, you know... So I like his... It's pretty straightforward, all of it, to me.
0: Yeah, I think so. I like the grayness.
1: I like the darkness of it. It's not dark, like, rainy and shit, but it's... It feels like a sad time in somebody's life, and I feel like it was totally appropriate.
0: So um, extras on the Blu-ray, there are a few. Um, There's... Deleted and extended scenes. The deleted scenes made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're funny.
0: Because the deleted scenes, if you read the title of a deleted scene, such as one says, um, Rachel has Looks a out pee. a window. Yeah. Rachel has a pee outdoors. <laughs> no, Rachel pees on the street. Right, okay. Rachel pees on the street. And then you go, okay, <laughs> let's watch that one. And that is exactly what happens. Rachel squats down on the street and has a pee. And then there was another one. Which, was, which said, um, Megan looks out of the window. A lot of the deleted scenes, they say exactly what they are. <laughs> so you might not even need to see them. Um, there's also um, the women behind the girl and on board the train. Now, these are two featurettes. They're actually what make up the main extras here. Um, they, they're pretty good because they have the author of the book and they have the producer of the movie and the director. And they kind of talk about how they adapted the book and how they, what stuff they had to change. And if you're interested in that, it does cover... I think it covered what I needed to know. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really need much more than the movie on this one. I'm not always a uh, need of extras. Um, when it's been a book, you know there's going to be a little bit of like, well, here's the writer and here's what they meant to say. And that's never going to fully connect with what the movie ends up being. So... It was nice to meet everybody, so to speak. But I I thought the movie was all I needed for this one.
0: And there's a commentary by director Tate Taylor. So if you want all your questions answering, you can listen to the whole commentary. So um, in conclusion, this movie's not my cup of tea, to be honest. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I don't think it's terrible. But I also don't think it's that good either. So that's I liked it. That's what I thought. I think it was
1: good, well-made, well-performed... I like the writing; just has its little glitches, and I recommend it. Feel like it's a great like Friday night, curl up with a blanket, watch it, and then watch something like fun better. afterwards. No, not better. Just diff- oh my god.
0: That's my um. That would what what I would say. So no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really like it. It's you know there's something about some movies where I've told you exactly why I didn't like it, but there's also some overall vibe to something where you just don't connect with it. I didn't. Obviously. So, uh, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com you can win some Blu-rays. Next week's Blu-ray review is Ben Affleck in The Accountant. We're going to look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Girl on the Train. And I'm going with David Fincher's Gone Girl from last year, which uh, I thought was an excellent thriller. I really, really enjoyed that one. It's a similar type of movie with a twist. You know, it's got a gloomy kind of Mm -hmm. look to it. And then it's also got like a bit of a wicked kind of twist to it. Uh, So Gone Girl. And also based on a best-selling novel. And the other one is Edge of Tomorrow, which uh, stars Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. It's also known as uh, Live, Die, Repeat. And um, it is one of my favourite sci-fi movies of the last, you know, five years. It is... A really cool story. It's kind of Groundhog Day meets The Terminator, you know? Um, Yeah, if you've not seen it, you should. So, they're my recommendations.
1: My recommendations are going back, like I've said, to 1987, so 30 years ago. Not necessarily today, but around this time, because I'm doing them in order. Are Angel Heart, if you remember, with Lisa Bonet. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, Lisa Bonet, and... um, I Robert believe Robert De Niro. De Niro, yes. And Lethal Weapon came out in 1987. Did it? I believe so. I mean that's one on my list.
0: Yeah, it probably did. Actually, 80s. And yeah. there was, what, four of those. Also a TV series that's on right now. Lethal Weapon. Yeah, but that's
1: not 1987. Now the original was 1987. 19- it shows you how evergreen that,
0: that is, though. I mean, yeah. we're still retelling it.
1: Well, I mean, it's not really the lethal weapon story necessarily, but the buddy cop opposites attract and all all that shit, yeah.
0: Yep. So, um, yeah, there's our recommendations for this week. Uh, Games and Ace Gully stuff this week is... um, I have been playing with um, something called Launchbox. If you don't know what Launchbox is, you can go to launchbox.com and download it for free. What it is is... um, emulators, so you can play all old arcade games, old console games, etc., on your PC. Well, LaunchBox isn't an emulator, but it works alongside all your favorite emulators to provide a interface that you can show on your TV or your arcade cabinet that you've made or your PC that lets you launch, hence LaunchBox, all those games and emulators from a singular menu, like Steam. But for your retro games, so it has two modes. It has Launchbox and it has Bigbox. Bigbox is the full-screen experience, so like you, you know, you put it on your TV in your living room, and you can select, go through all your different consoles, and select all the games, and it just launches them seamlessly. Or there's the Launchbox, which is the desktop version, which is like Steam basically. It's a big list of your games with all the cover art. What I really like about it is when you import like a folder of ROMs, say you've got a load of old Nintendo ROMs, and you import them in, it brings everything up, like the cover. You can turn the box around and look at the back of the box. You can look at what date it was released, reviews on the game from back in the day in the 80s, uh, what it's about, who released it, um, how it reviewed, all that kind of thing. So. We use a piece of software called Plex for watching uh, movies and stuff on TV, digitally. This thing is like Plex, but for video games, if that means anything to or you. Or Netflix
1: for video games.
0: Or Netflix for video games, but you're not playing their games. You're playing your games that you've got yourself. Um, it's free to try, but the free trial that they give you only lets you use the desktop version. If you want to see the big screen version, which is... I think, the best part of it. Because if you do build yourself an arcade machine, you need to have that kind of interface, like a big interface that you can use the joystick and the buttons to control. You won't have a mouse, will you, if you've got an arcade machine. So you need an interface that you can flick through the games and choose one easily, play it, and then go back to the menu when you're finished. And this is what that is. And it's really, really fancy. If you go and have a look at the videos on YouTube, if you select a Nintendo category what you get on the screen is a cool video playing in the background that you get the Nintendo music, like from Mario playing and you can see Mario running around and the Nintendo logo flashing. And it's like that for every console. And as soon as you import a bunch of games, say you import the Sega Saturn, all your emulator ROMs for that. It populates that video with a new Sega Saturn video and everything seamlessly. You basically just import your ROMs and it works. Now, You can use any emulators with it, but I've been using this emulator called RetroArch. It's a singular emulator that emulates all the consoles of yesteryear. Like, it emulates everything from the Atari back in the 70s to the Sega Dreamcast, which is a more recent console, to the Wii U, which is a console that's literally with us right now. Um... Super Nintendo Genesis it this retro arch emulator which is nothing to do with launchbox it just actually works with it. It's free and it emulates all of those games. all you need really is um the ROms of the games. I don't um advocate stealing exactly. the roms <laughs> if you if you own the games um you know or you can dump roms these days. Like a uh, Game Boy Advance, even all those kind of things, it will play everything. And what, another really cool about thing about RetroArch is if you play a Game Boy game, for instance, which was always designed to be on a handheld, the 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 emulator puts up the the square around it, so it looks like you're playing it on a Game Boy, but on your TV, you know, the actual uh, what do you call that, the bezel around your yeah. Game Boy, which said Game Boy Color or whatever, it puts that around. So you can actually look like you're playing the old game on your TV, but on the Game Boy.
1: So have you had fun with it?
0: Yeah, it's really uh, cool. I've I've been tra- setting up emulators is no trivial task. To be honest, I've had to learn a lot this week, a lot of stuff. You know what? YouTube is your friend for everything. There are tutorials on YouTube. Launchbox themselves actually have a whole channel dedicated to each system. So you're you say you can't get. Sega Saturn games to work in LaunchBox. Go to LaunchBox um, website and then go to their YouTube channel and search on their YouTube channel for Sega Saturn, and there'll be a whole 20-minute video where the guy who created LaunchBox will take you through step by step how to get your games to work in LaunchBox. So if you're stuck, there's a video and it's as simple as just following along with the video to actually get it working. I've got everything working. Everything I have got works now. From the Sega CD. What's your favorite? That I've played this week. um, Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. I don't actually have a Wii U, funnily enough. But uh, you can actually play Wii U games on this thing, which is uh, insane to me because they're literally new games. Um, But my favorite out of the old games I've been playing this week is that I used to own the 3DO, Panasonic 3DO, back in the day, like the early 90s. And there was a game called Road Rash, which I absolutely loved. It's a motorcycle game, racing game, where you're riding motorcycles and knocking other people off with chains. It's arcade style. It's got really cool music in it. It's on the 3DO. Um, It's one of my favourite retro games. I've just got fond memories of playing it. It was the only game I had for the 3DO when I bought it. So every time I turned it on, that was the game I could play. So obviously I played it a lot. Um... So yeah, that's my favourite. I also played Night Trap this week, which is kind of funny. The um you saw me playing that a little bit. The one yeah. with the girls in the weird. Yeah. I don't know why the hell that was so Night Trap's a full motion video game for the Sega CD. That was controversial. I don't know why it's controversial at all. Uh, we were we so like lame back then? Mm-hmm. Like there is literally no nudity in it. There's girls in nineties and bikinis occasionally. Being murdered. Being murdered. But people get murdered in games and stories and movies all the time. Even back then, it was probably worse back then. We had Rambo and shit like that, right? It was not worse. This game is so tame. <laughs> it's. There's nothing in it that. I, and, it, and it looks so crap as well. Like, it's so fake. It's like it's the cheapest TV show you've ever seen. But um, that's Launchbox. Launchbox.com. You can go and uh, download it for free, try it out. Then they have like some kind of subscription model. I think it's $20 a year if you like it. That gives you access to everything. Downloading all the videos, all the backgrounds. Well, you know, they have to pay for the server, I guess, which houses all that stuff and you have, if you need to download it all. Uh, but that's launchbox.com. You can pick it up there. And the emulators I've been using are RetroArch. That's free. Just go to RetroArch. Just search RetroArch in Google. And the emulator for the Wii U is called Cemu. C-E-M-U. Emulator. And that's free also. So... um. Yeah, lots of fun to be had with our uh, retro games and now that they all retro games and arcade games from back in the day, all of them work on PCs. Like you can actually collect everything together and play all of it from one place. I think that's pretty amazing. Um so yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing this week. So what is Fangouli and what is the movie tonight? A bit disappointed about last week.
1: <laughs> last week was a rerun, so we didn't watch it. Uh this week is the ha- is a horror host. A guy who dresses up in a funny costume and does bad jokes and it's on every week on Me T V two hours. He presents like a movie, squeezes it in that two hours or stretches it out, whatever. And uh it's always old, like a 30s, 40s, 50s, occasionally 60s, very rarely 70s movie. And this week is House of Frankenstein, which we have not seen. I looked at screenshots yeah, or whatever. Seen. We've seen House of Dracula. Uh We've seen uh, Bride of Dracula, Brides of Dracula, Son of Dracula, all kinds of different ones. But last week, yes, we knew that he did reruns. We've been watching it for a year. And only just now came across a rerun. So yeah, it's Not I just suppose. the movie
0: is rerun, but he re- the, whole thing. The,
1: whole, uh, the whole thing
0: is rerun. He might add some new segments, but it might only be like a minute of the whole whole broadcast that's new. You know? So, uh, yeah, that's House of Frankenstein. So, Sito, what's for dinner before we leave?
1: Tonight will be... I roast, baked some potatoes. I'm going to fry them up. And some fake chicken nuggets because we don't eat meat. And we don't, we, I don't have a problem calling it fake chicken nuggets. A lot of people who are veg, vegan or vegetarian say don't call it fake meat, but I mean, they're we're like chicken we're nuggets. We're going
0: to eat some textured <laughs> vegetable protein. Yes,
1: they're like chicken nuggets, <laughs> but they're not dead chickens all ground up and uh, squeezed into a batter fried thingy just for me to enjoy or to eat. It is instead a vegetable protein thing. Food it just is really good. It is better. And I was a chicken McNugget fanatic. I could eat the 20 piece easy, if not two times a day. I never liked them. Oh my God, I love them. Love, love, love. So getting anything substitute or, you know, to kind of go from how much I love that to something else. And over the years, this is just, they're the same. You bake them for a little while and boom, you've got a nice, crispy, tasty, delicious dipped in ketchup or whatever. And
0: what I did really like about chicken nuggets is when somebody else got them. <laughs> I, I my favourite thing from McDonald's when I used to eat meat was a um, Big Mac but that sweet and sour sauce that you get in the little thing to dip the nuggets in you know yeah. that, that sweet and sour sauce that comes with the nuggets that and dip your Big Mac in it it's gorgeous that was <laughs> what, I, what I used to like but I didn't like the actual chicken nuggets anyway before we move on to um, your advice uh, there's a couple of things I needed to say but in the my part. But it's we watched um, The Fall this week, season three. Uh, Gillian Anderson and Jamie Dorman from Fifty Shades of Grey. You will know that guy. Um, What did you think of season three of The Fall? Uh, really, let's I'm, just say one and two was fantastic, right? No, I'm
1: not giving away any spoilers. No. I wouldn't even give anything at all away. Don't say anything about it at all except it's Gillian Anderson and that guy.
0: Jamie Dorman. It's
1: intense. It's crime story. It's just really really well done really compelling and I'm hypnotized by it I love it
0: this season was full of surprises for me too Uh, I really really thought it was well executed like slow it's like a slow burn type thing but every second of it's riveting like you don't you're like oh more please more more and when it ended I was like oh shit it's over and we also watched Luke Cage we're up to about episode 9 of Luke Cage this week Marvel's Luke Cage I know we took a while to watch it, but um, we do watch all the Marvel stuff on Netflix. Uh, what do you think of Luke Cage so far?
1: Really good. It's also um, good in a different way, but really good.
0: Yeah, different than the other. I like how these Marvel shows on Netflix all feel different from one another, because Jessica Jones is its thing, Daredevil's its thing, and Luke Cage is another thing. It's got it's you know it all takes place in the Bronx. It's got this 70s, even though it's not in the 70s, but it, this 70s exploitation kind of movie type feel to it with the music and the. It's kind of quite violent. Yeah. Um, you think? <laughs> but uh, I just like its vibe. Like it. I, I didn't know much about Luke Cage, only from what you see in Jessica Jones. But uh, his story is really interesting. So um, the next. Netflix series is in um, March and it's uh, Iron Fist, so i will be interested to see. I'm I'm interested to see actually if they introduce Iron Fist towards the end of Luke Cage like they do, you know, to try and because they'll try and join them together in a way like so. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Luke Cage. I would recommend it. I would recommend you go and watch Daredevil and Jessica Jones first though, because they are a big, they're a big huge uh, thing. Do it all if you can. Yeah. 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 So, um, Sen, finally, what is your advice?
1: Don't be empty. You know, I don't know, it's hard to explain what that means, but I can't... Obviously, observing people's behavior through our last year's election and now through getting a new president... There are, and I' this is me being a hundred percent judgmental. I don't even give a shit if you think that that's a criticism. I don't think it is. I'm being very judgmental, very um, critique critiquing people's behavior and basing their entire personality on very little. so i'm I'm upfront with that. <laughs> I'm aware that I'm doing this. This is one of my probably character flaws. But even from a distance or people I know very, very intimately and very well, they're just fucking empty vessels for somebody to fill up with a bunch of bullshit. And then they carry that bullshit sloshing around, spilling it out everywhere, and then wait around for somebody to fill them back up again because they're just fucking empty. They don't... They're not a solid... I don't know... I don't know how else to describe it. If if there are things you believe in life because you've experienced a bunch of stuff and you've twisted and changed and come back to a conclusion, then that gives you, that fills you up with solid, you know, this is who I am and you cannot change it and this is why and it's logical and it's reasonable and you have good, you can explain it well. Maybe that's not even a good um, measure of it. That's probably not fair, but you don't have to justify what you believe, but I don't get that from most people. If you start asking, why do you think that? Well, I heard this and I read that and I saw that. Right, well, where did you see, read, and hear that? Well, on here and on this news and on the internet. Right, but do you actually know that? That's the shit that someone's pouring into you. And you're so desperately empty that you will just suck it up, let it fill you up, and then you, you... Justle around like this woman did in this movie, drunk on a bunch of bullshit, and it sloshes out of you. And when it sloshes out of you, it spills over onto other empty people who then get little bits and pieces of it and then fill them up and then they spill it out. And I can't get, for a lot of people, I cannot get to the bottom. I can't get rid of all that shit that somebody's poured into their heads and get to the bottom of why they think a thing. Or like get to the actual like, you know. Yeah. I can't, or there, there is no bottom because they're empty. There is no explanation. And I said, sometimes I feel like I'm, um, there's nothing, doesn't, nothing good about me that I observe this or that I think this at all. It's just the way that I process things. It's very confusing to me that people take on board things based on nothing but anger and fear.
0: Or something they read on Facebook.
1: Yeah, but but it's based on anger and fear and like, I deserve this and I'm entitled to that and fuck everybody else and I'm sick of being put down and I'm sick of being number two. Right, so when you decide to be number one, how do you think the other number two is going to feel? Do you not give a shit? Well, no, that's where the emptiness comes. You don't think about what you're saying. That they get off on this idea of power and control and like being on top and being the winner and stomping everybody down when there is only one way that can happen is when there's somebody to stomp down and push down. And when you have no good, solid anything to offer, you're just this empty vessel with getting filled up with all this crap. Then you're basically putting down everybody else for actually no good reason at all. Like if, if you rise to power or rise to an important place or you, you come to give advice, um, to people or try to inspire people and you actually have something to offer, that's, that's awesome because someone might be looking up to you and needing a little bit of help or needing some inspiration for real. Not bullshit, not emptiness. Not like a little carrot on a little tiny string going, well just come on over here and believe what we believe and follow us and, and and at some point uh yeah some point in the future it'll it'll be satisfying for you for real. But for right now we just want you to be mad and be like aggressive and be greedy and shit and that'll be great. That's the that's that's what you're filled up with. Because there's nothing else there. It's just really annoying and I it's annoying that I don't I can't figure it out. I can't get in that mind. Like, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of being poor. I'm not afraid of being alone. I'm not afraid of being broke. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not even afraid of getting sick. If I were to get ill, I've seen people be ill. It's terrible. It's horrible. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not going to put somebody else down or threaten somebody else because I might have to pay a higher mortgage rate or something. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. So don't be empty. If you're going to take a stand on something or have a belief and if you feel like you've just been filled up with all, well, you're like, yeah, but look at this and this and this is why I'm all excited for this new America. Well, think about it a little bit. What are you actually filled up with? You know, tomorrow when you've been stumbling around and it all sloshes out, what are you going to have left? Is there anything of you left in there? Anything real? Or just a bunch of crap, you know? Like a rainstorm that comes and goes. You're full, boom, you're empty. That's it.
0: That is all. <laughs> all, right. all right. After that, those wise words. Um, it's
1: not wise. It's confusion. I come from a place of utter and complete confusion. Because you can't fill me up with enough... Um whatever this is that people have, like, oh, finally, now I'm going to have everything I want because you've sold me a bill of goods. It's the snake oil salesman telling you that this little bottle of shit is going to cure your whooping cough and your psoriasis and your headaches and your your, your limp dick and your (laughs) cough and your kids are going to be smarter if you drink this one bottle of what you find out later to just be... As they say, snake oil water. or water and alcohol or, you know, some shit out of a pond nearby that looks weird and so everybody buys into it. Because the guy selling it to you is filling you
0: with bullshit. All right, so... What isn't bullshit?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, Everything uh, I say, though, could be bullshit. Is
0: me selling you this. Go to a <laughs> com. Go to sidtar.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, and the RSS feed. Ascoli.com slash podcast. You can subscribe. You can listen on the page. You can do whatever you like. Enjoy yourself. You can also e- e- email me at ascoli.com. do email Sid Talk. Uh, at all. Ever. <laughs> and finally, uh, stay classy, uh, Mrs. Emily Blunt. She just had a baby, actually. She was pregnant throughout this whole movie. Oh, really? Couldn't, couldn't tell, could no, you? No, no. Five months pregnant. Wow. Um, But they kept it They did the uh, I don't know how they did it (laughs) But I didn't notice Until the end when I read Oh she was five months pregnant While she was making this So um, Yeah Stay classy Emily Blunt
1: And I'm going to say Think for yourself Because trust me If you're not Somebody's already doing it for you